What's up? I am Benjamin Light. This is Marco Sparks. And you're listening to Bros Watch PLL2 S4E4 FaceTime. FaceTime. Getting right into the groove of the fourth season of PLL here. And we open right up. It's a stock shot of Rosewood. It's the same shot we saw in the last episode of the train going by. Yep, exact same shot. There goes mm-hmm. the train. It's daytime. Uh, then we're outside Emily's house where we see that Emily's dad is home getting his bags out of the trunk of the taxi where Emily and her mom you know, wait on the porch. They couldn't have like uh, picked him up from the the airport, wherever. I don't know. Pants <laughs> like, drive to the airport. <laughs> we might be married, but fuck you. What are we, peasants? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, of course, Wayne Fields is in his, uh, his, like, his camo. Yeah. Uh, cause you totally know he's one of those guys who, like, he has to let everyone know he's in the military wherever he goes. Oh, and he expects a salute from everybody, probably. Mm-hmm. And a, a thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even though he's in the National Guard. Yeah. Um, it's being a National Guard. Uh, he greets his daughter, gives her a hug, and then he basically just scoots her off to school. Yeah, she takes off to school, and then, uh, Wayne just kind of, you know, Gives Pam a hug, and they probably go in and do it, Emily, just, you know, to let you know. Well, because Emily, she walks away, and she looks back and sees her parents embrace. And I just, something about Pam, like, I don't know. She she annoys me because she's that very old-fashioned housewife. Yeah. Who just seems like she was helpless before Wayne showed up, which is not the depiction. Everything is okay now that the patriarchy has arrived. The sad thing about Pam, the thing that's always had me down about Pam is that I want her to be more Ashley Marin. You know, they can't all be Ashley's. Seriously, uh, the wine couldn't handle that. Mm-hmm. Speaking <laughs> so was, of Ashley's uh, wonderful offspring, here we pan down from Rosewood High. We're at the entryway. Mm-hmm. Hannah is talking to Caleb, and before we discuss anything, I think we have to discuss what Hannah's wearing. Oh my god! It's a uh, a white long sleeve blouse that has little like popsicles and like ice cream sandwiches and pies like all these little like desserts yeah uh, you know like in print on this white blouse and it also says happy ashley in various places yes exactly i was gonna ask you does that literally say happy ashley on mm-hmm. it so she's that's how much uh hannah's like fronting her mom right now she's got that on and then she's got like a you know kind of penciled black skirt with this, this uh, fucking orange and white belt yeah, this fucking like sartorial splendor here. I literally mm-hmm. wrote down on my notes, Hannah is covered in dessert. Mm-hmm. But this shirt is so crazy that I half expected Arya to be wearing it. I feel like it's a, a little too bubbly for Arya. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it'd be like skulls and ice cream. Yeah, yeah. Arya. Um, yeah, yeah, so she's talking the, to Caleb here. The bell rings at one point here, too. But uh, Caleb's updating her on, on his chat with her dad. Um, how basically people are always stealing guns. Oh, well, Rose with dads. Tom thinks that Ashley stole his gun, which is and, and Caleb's like, "Well, he's not sure. Just that it was missing after she left, uh, but it could have been missing earlier." And Hannah's like, "No, it's not possible." And Caleb's like, "It's beyond possible. It's what happened." Hannah, your dad owned a thirty-eight. It turned out that Wilden was shot with a thirty-eight. Your mom has a lot to explain, and, you know, a lot more to explain than not having an alibi. And Hannah's just like, "Hey, fuck you." Yeah. She's like, is this what you call helping? And he's like, uh, yeah, it is. And she's like, well, it's not. Yeah. And he says, hey, Hannah, if this looks bad to us, how do you think it's going to look to the state cops? And Hannah's just like, just forget it, okay? And he's like, forget what? And she says, forget the gun. Forget you smoked my father. Just forget everything you ever told me. 
And he says, forgetting it's not going to work in this situation, Hannah says, just don't do anything, okay? And she picks up her bag and walks off. Yeah, Hannah storms off. So It's like, Caleb, once again, I know you're you're trying to help out, but like this is the PLL show. It's not the Caleb show. Exactly. Exactly. Hannah's got to throw herself into this problem mm-hmm. and just blow it up a little bit more, Hannah style. Um, so up, you know, as Hannah's marching away, thankfully, here comes Ari and Spencer. And Hannah marches up to him and is immediately just like, Spence, did you show your sister the mask yet? I really want to know what Ari and Spencer talk about on the way to school. Oh, my God. I, they I, apparently are walking up to school together, uh, both in like various states of like, you know, black skirt, uh, black top, like boots, ensembles. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Ari has like, she does Ari even have a backpack? I think she just brings like a giant like old lady purse. I don't even know what's going on there. <laughs> so, yeah, Hannah, you know, just barks something at Spencer. And Arya is like, uh, morning, Hannah. To which yeah. Hannah says to Arya, hi. And to Spencer, she's like, well, did you? Yeah, did you tell, uh, you show your sister that mask, you know? And Spencer's like, not yet. And Hannah's like, well, what are you waiting for? You can't just let her get away with it because you know, Melissa's your sister. And Arya's like, take it down a notch, bitch. <laughs> and Spencer says, look, this mask means Melissa was at that studio that right now that's all it proves. <laughs> you know, yeah. if we if we really think about it, Hannah, it doesn't say that much. But Hannah says, Melissa's leaving town. She's about to pin the murder on my mom before she goes. And Ari's like, if she's an A. And she, Hannah's like, she has to be. And you know, Hannah was the one who was really hard on the Melissa's A thing back in season two as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. it's what they always like their crutch mm-hmm. they always lean back on. Especially Hannah. I feel like Hannah specifically is like really doesn't like Melissa. Right, right. Um so Emily walks up to the group looking miserable mm-hmm. and Hannah is instantly like, Emily, please tell them we have to do something. And Emily's just like Pfft. And so Spencer's like, Emily, are you okay? And Emily says that her dad is home. And Arya asks, Well, you know, isn't that usually a good thing? And Emily says no, that Wayne is back because Family Services wants to talk to them, to which all the girls are like, oh, shit, you know. Mm -hmm. And then we cut across on, like, the other side of the street, and there's a sedan with some people we can't see yet in it. They're they're watching the liars from across the street. And then we, we, as we pan over, we see, oh, this is Holbrook and his partner, played by Roma Mafia, with a big head of, like, kind of, like, crimson brown curly hair. Really got a head full of hair that's full of secrets. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Roma Mafia is so much fun in this. Um, so Holbrook's there, and uh, we'll find out later, but just, you know, for the sake of uh, us ex- describing things, this is Lieutenant Tanner. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is his lieutenant. So they're his both partner. watching the liars here, and Tanner says, those are the ones you told me about? And he says, that's them. And Tanner says, if I dressed like that when I was in high school, my dad would have had a stroke. And Holberg's like, I kind of gotten used to it. So meta. Mm-hmm. Um, this is something to really chew on if this podcast was called Dad's Watch PLL 2, mm. which would be a great show. I would totally listen to that. No, wouldn't that be awful? <laughs> it, it, well, it's not the same show as the uh, the Byron and Ezra, like, sad bad dads. But uh, I think just sad dads or bad dads. Bad dads. I don't know. Tell us, folks. Is it sad dads or bad dads? Maybe we should go knock some chicks up just so we can have a bad dads podcast. You can't tell, but I'm totally putting my hand up for the high five. Mm-hmm. Um, so Tanner playfully is like, don't make me sorry. I picked you for this. And she's yeah. like, we're not here to get cozy. 
So we were debating what this meant exactly. Like, does does Holbrook have some sort of specialty working with young people or something? Like, he was picked for this by Tanner. Or does he just really like young chicks in, like, trashy outfits? Well, he's saying, I could have gotten used to this. He's not, like, saying, I could get used to this. You know? Yeah, yeah. Or, or initially, my, my take was that he was talking about Tanner herself, that maybe he was flirting for a little bit. I could see that. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but he says, you know, we're not here to co- get cozy. And Holbrook says, I know. We're here to solve a couple of homicides the locals keep tripping over. And Tanner uh, says, and to find out what it is about those four pretty girls that attract so many corpses. Holbrook's like, chances are I'm going to get romantically involved with one of them, right? And um, then as they're watching, the liars kind of, they, they break formation and all walk into class together. Uh, it's also important to remember that Tanner and Holbrook, again, are state cops. This is basically True Detective Season 2, right? This is like True Detective Season 2, the uh, like backdoor season. Mm-hmm. Because we're seeing it all from the liar's perspective. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Tanner's really here because she can smell the psychosphere. Mm-hmm. It's, it's filthy all over Rosewood. So it's after like the credits, ash and burnt aluminum. Exactly, and hair product. So after the credits, we're in the quad, or excuse me, the courtyard of Rosewood High. The four liars are sitting there talking, and Arya points out that by now Hector Lyme has to have noticed that his mask is missing. And he's basically like, "Fuck that guy. He's got so many heads, he'll hardly miss one." Uh, and then Emily gets a text. It's her dad, and she's like, "Great, I have to come home right after school." The fucking you, nerve of that asshole! No, you, you missed the point where after Hannah says her line, Spencer's like, "I think I have to write that sentence down." <laughs> um, and so again, it's Arya who says basically like they can't really think that there's something wrong with your family. And my my pet theory that has no basis in reality is that Arya made that initial call to family services just to throw a little <laughs> Zen chaos into the mix. Just for fun. But it's like, yeah, and Lee, being a teacher, teenager sucks and all your parents are all up your ass. But like you did like kill a guy that one time and like no. your girlfriends keep dying for some reason. And you have mysterious injuries and you were cyber stalked and you lie constantly. Like maybe they have a little bit of grounds to want you home right after school. Yeah, number one, your life is totally fucked up and scary. <laughs> You're two, being tailed by state police. Two, your hair is amazing at the same time. It's very mm-hmm. suspicious. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so Emily doesn't know what they think since she lied about the pills and getting hurt. And Arya's like, well, little lies. Arya's oh, yeah, like, I did, didn't even mention the, uh, the painkillers. Arya really doesn't want the whole, like, lying lifestyle to be disparaged because lying is the cornerstone to, like, Arya's lifestyle brand. Can mm-hmm. I just say... Her lifestyle? I think so. Yeah. Lie yeah. a little better. Uh, so Hannah's like, well, that's the problem. You know, big lie gives you something to hold on to. Trouble starts when you have to shade the truth and it gets all twisted up. And Arya's like quiet as she kind of processes that. Like Arya's like, yes, yes, just like Herman Goring said. Well, I feel like Arya's just like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to steal that for the opening of my lifestyle blog. Mm-hmm. Um, but Arya's had enough. She has to go. I thought that Arya just like, fuck this. She's like, well. I gotta go. Yeah. Uh, and they ask her about, like, hey, what's up with the Jake bro? And she's like, he's fine. And Spencer's, like, very coolly. She's just like, he was fine the last time we asked. And all right, says, well, he's still fine. <laughs> oh, I love this line. Hey, <laughs> is your mom still going away with the Muffin Man? Yeah, is your mom still going to Austria with that Muffin Man? <laughs> Again. <laughs> Which I feel like uh, we can't call him Baker Bro Zach anymore. We just have to call him the Muffin Man. Yeah, like, this also, that's that's a reference to Rust Development, right? Roger's having fun of us here. <laughs> um, the Muffin Man? 
the Muffin Man. <laughs> Spencer uh, says the Austria's a long way from here, and Arya's like, and I'm counting on A not having a passport. You know why you would count on that? A's already gone to Montecito to run somebody off the road. I, well, I like. Well, plus these girls think that that A is Melissa. I'm sure mm-hmm. Melissa's a world traveler, but I like how Spencer keeps making statements designed to pull info out of Arya. So the bell rings. Hannah gives Spencer a marching order, like, "Hey, Spence, figure out what to do about Melissa." And Spencer's just like, you know, dread. Mm-hmm. She turns to Emily once uh, Hannah's gone, and she's like, "Senior year is supposed to be the best year of our life or your life. Did you know that?" And Emily says, "Yeah, if you survive it." Bleak. Mm-hmm. So it comes to the rear window brew. Oh man. Oh, this is a fantastic triumvirate of Hastings here. If you're if you're not sitting, sit down. If you are sitting, stand up and then dramatically sit back down. Yeah. Spencer is on the couch in the liar's personal nook. In the middle. Melissa is on uh, like a chair, kind of facing in in towards this triangle here, and then the, uh, on the other side, Veronica Hastings is in another chair. So they're it's interesting that they're both physically higher than Spencer here. They kind of are both looking down on her because she's Spencer. in like a lower couch. Spencer has a whole couch for herself. Veronica's mm-hmm. nibbling on a muffin. Melissa is cradling her coffee, and Spencer is like burying her face in her coffee. Mm-hmm. And Veronica thinks that Melissa was really smart about that coat. And Melissa the, says, "The whole conversation about like I think you were really smart about that coat." To 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 wit, Melissa says, "It was more than I wanted to spend, but I figured the weather in San Francisco, the weather in London, I could use it in either place." And Veronica's like, "Exactly," which something 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 London fog. Yeah. And she's like, are you taking your other trench coat? Because the Hastings have multiple trench coats. Uh, and Melissa's like, I don't think so. And so Veronica's like, well, maybe Spencer could use it. And uh, what is it? Melissa's like, I don't think so. And um, what do we have here? Well, this is this is like, from according to Spencer's reaction, this is the most boring conversation ever. Hashtag Hastings shit. Well, okay, Ver- she doesn't have to her name is mentioned. Veronica turns to uh, Spencer and she's just like, you like Melissa's coat, the one with the new belt? You'd wear that, wouldn't you? And Spencer looks up and she's like, it would be an honor and a privilege. And then, like, she kind of smirks and Melissa kind of, like, smirks right back. Like, well, it's a Melissa, very, like, sisterly, like, fuck you to each other, you know? Well, first of all, Spencer has her badass X-Men trench coat. She doesn't need Melissa mm-hmm. to hand me down shit. But Melissa gives her the warmest, most charming, eat shit eyes ever. <laughs> and Veronica turns to Spencer and is basically like, don't be shitty. Yeah. Yeah, don't be like that. And Spencer's like, like what? And Veronica's like, jealous of your sister. And she's like, I'm not jealous. And then Melissa shoots this wonderful look at uh, Spencer, or not Spencer, at Veronica, like shaking her head. She's like, Mom, like no, like let's be let's be magnanimous here. Sometimes just for fun, I like to think that the Hastings are descendants of Elizabeth McGovern, Elizabeth McGovern, and Shirley MacLaine, and their Mm. characters from Downtown Abbey. I can see that, yeah. Uh, so Veronica, you know, basically goes in hell. Melissa has a great opportunity. She's worked really hard for it. it hasn't been easy for any of them. Something, something. We, should, we should all be happy for her. For you know, that's all that's happened. Yeah. And Melissa's like, it's all right. I understand. If I were her, I would feel the same way. And Spencer's like, would you? And they glare at each other some more. Melissa is so gracious mm. that you can tell Spencer is making a fist of her asshole. <laughs> and Veronica says, uh, you know, you're going to miss sharing things with Melissa graduation going to you pen boyfriends and, Sp- and spencer's like uh nobody's gonna miss that and veronica's like what do you mean and spencer says you pen i'm not going to you pen and Melissa like takes a- this like very deep concerned breath like it's the most important thing that spencer's ever said 
Veronica Ron- says, of course you are. And Spencer's like, of course I'm not. I got my rejection letter. And Veronica's like, this isn't funny. And Spencer laughs like very bitterly. And she's like, yeah, I think it's a scream. And Melissa's like, Mom, I, I don't think she's joking, Mom. Well, I like that Melissa is studying her so close. I mm-hmm. like to think that Melissa, the actual the part of her that is a good sister, mm-hmm. is is studying her sister like more closely after the recent events. Because in context, Spencer only got out of Radley like maybe a week and a half ago. Yeah, really. Yeah, so she's Spencer, kind of studying Spencer. Like, I, I don't think she's joking, Mom. So Spencer says to Melissa, you're so smart. Please explain it to her. <laughs> And Veronica's like, no, you explain it. And so Spencer says, okay, they rejected me. So wherever I go after graduation, after graduation, it will not be to the family alma mater. And Melissa's like, that's early admission. There are things we can do. Which <laughs> just sounds so sinister when she says it. Like they could donate a ton of money to have a new library built at UPenn or something. I feel like it's like, it could be that. It could be a sexual favor. It could be killing someone. I'm Seriously? not sure what Melissa's implying here. I mean, to be blunt, I would give this advice to anybody, anybody ever. That guy that CC knows, no, so, ah, blah, if I could talk, if CC knows in the admissions office, somebody should be blowing that guy right now. <laughs> He's like, I have no control over it, but thanks. <laughs> um, um, Spencer says, you know, we're not going to do anything. Yeah, she doesn't want to get in the, the illegitimate way. And Veronica's like, Spencer, stop it and listen to your sister. She's trying to help. And Melissa's like, I'm not sure she wants my help. And Veronica says, of course she does. Don't she, Spencer? And Spencer kind of takes a breath and she's like, okay, yes. But she kind of smirks a little and she's like, maybe there are a few things I can learn from Melissa. And now it's Melissa's turn to kind of like coldly appraise Spencer. Yeah, the the three Hastings women are quiet for a moment. And Veronica has mm-hmm. to be thinking to herself, like, holy shit, there's a lot of weird vibes and crazy subtext here. Um, so we've got to Ashley's office at the bank. Hannah comes in. Um, by the way, we can see on the door of Ashy's office that it definitely says branch manager. So mm-hmm. Hannah calls Ashy's name. There's no answer. So Hannah marches over to Ashy's day planner. Apparently, it's November 11th. I like how she starts snooping immediately. Immediately. Yeah. November 11th. Hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you say so, PLL. Yeah. You're saying it's been 11 days since the Halloween train? Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, so- they're, maybe they're not on a Julian calendar. It's it's possible. There could be like weird months named after like uh, like Greek gods that we don't even know about. Because they're all like secretly uh, like pagans. Mm-hmm. Like like the a lot of this was going to be attributed to like A is actually like an agent of like the like harvest gods, <laughs> <laughs> sacrificing people to like go headed deities. Um, so just then, Ashley comes in with Detective Holbrook and Lieutenant Tanner. Ashley is carrying. Wilden safety deposit box. Which we'll find out. Yeah, nice glare from uh, Ashley at Hannah as she walks in. Because, you know, she's got the the cops here, so they can't really talk. And Ashley's kind of like, what the fuck are you doing here? You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Holbrook's like, oh, hello, Hannah. And she's like, Holbrook. And this raises some eyebrows. And Hannah's like, uh, we met at Wilden's funeral. And I thought it was interesting that she didn't mention that they also met at the police office, what, like the day before, two right. days before, maybe? Right. Leaves um, that one out. It's, I, I like that the way they kind of built up, like, Lieutenant Tanner's, like, introduction. Like, like Holbrook. Well, Roman Mafia is very tall. She's taller than Holbrook. Well, uh, it might be also those amazing blue heels that she's Yeah, yeah, true. I mean, at least in her heels. And, you know, they're both taller than Ashley. Who's taller than Hannah? So 
there's like a very like a, a height thing going on here because Holbrook introduces Tanner and and she's like the, the shot is like her like looming over Tanner like looking down like saying hello and Hannah's kind of praising her for a few beats and then she says hello and shakes her hand. Yeah, yeah. These two are are basically like scanning each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so Hannah like she summons up something or pushes something down to shake Tanner's hand. Hannah asks who the box belongs to. Holbrook says it's Wilden's. Well, they, before that, Ashley kind of nods the door and she's like. I'll call you, Hannah. Yeah. And Tanner's like, oh, that's all right. She can stay. This isn't going to take long. Yeah. And so the cops both put some gloves on, and yeah, we find out this is Wilden's safety deposit box, and Holbrook opens it. And he opens it, like, uh, and, like, right inside, we see, like, there's, like, stacks of, like, cash, like, $50 bills and stuff. and like That's quite a nest egg. Yeah. Yeah, Tanner Tanner and Holbrook are like very cool about this the whole time. You know, like, ooh, nice nest egg. And Ashley looks very nervous and she's yeah. like, the uh bank discourages depositors from keeping cash uh in the safety deposit boxes. And Tanner's like, That's a good policy. Uh so Holbrook then finds two passports, one American and one Canadian. And Tanner's just like, mm-hmm. Like they're they're very it's like it's like they expected to find this. Right. Like they, they kind of like suspected like Wilden was crooked. He's got all his cash. He's got passports. So then uh, Tanner pulls out a small cloth bag. She opens it up. She finds a small gun in there. Holbrook immediately says, do you think that's his drop gun? <laughs> and Tanner says, let's not speak ill of the dead, Gabriel. But the serial number has been filed off. Gabriel Holbrook. So in case you're wondering what a drop gun is, uh, it's the idea that should a Leo or law enforcement officer shoot an unarmed suspect, you put a gun an, on the guy. Yeah. They'll have an unregistered firearm that they can then put on the suspect after they're dead to justify the killing. According to some law enforcement message boards that I checked out, that this would actually be called a throwaway or a throwdown by anyone who might actually do it. But I also want to use the opportunity to say Saturday Night Special. Yeah. Uh, and so Ashley's watching all this and like stutters. And she's like, you know, uh, what did she say? Uh, she says, uh, if I was, or, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm totally out of, uh, sync here. So let, let's not speak ill of the dead, but the serial numbers filed off. And then Holbrook asks Ashley, would, would you be the one to take Wilden into the vault? And she's like, uh, if I was here that day, yeah. Mm-hmm. And Tanner's like, so as far as you know, no bank employee has ever seen the contents of this box. And Ashley's like, that's right. And Tanner says, except for you. Long pause. Ashley, Ashley like freezes, guilty as like, fuck. super guilty, and like ah, uh, uh, just uh, and finally Tanner's just like, I mean, just now when he opened it, and she's like, yes, yes, that would be the first time. So Holbrook slams the lid down, and Tanner does that thing where she's like, oh, would you mind if I had a butterscotch? And I feel like that's like a classic cop tactic to basically just get oh, yeah. people's personal space and see how they react. Oh, and she's like, take everything, including the box. Yeah, both the Marin girls look like they want to like crawl out of their skin right now. Well, Tanner smiles at Hannah, and Hannah like fakely smiles back. Yeah. Very interesting interplay here. Yeah. It was like they wanted Hannah to be there to, to witness this. Like it was almost like Tanner was more interested in seeing how Hannah reacted to all this than she was about what was in the box. Well, and I think also it it forces Ashley to have either put up another defense or drop down another one. Mm-hmm. To have Hannah there as well. I mean, like yeah. this is like a fucking field day for Tanner just to appraise human behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, so we cut to Emily's bedroom. It's night. Her bed is empty. We pan over to Emily sitting on her window seat. She's on the phone with Spencer. Spencer gets that Hannah's worried about her mom, but she doesn't think that they're going to get anything out of Melissa. And Emily says, well, we have to know what she was doing of Jenna and Shauna. 
Spencer, by the way, is on her laptop, like in bed, cross-legged, not ready for bed. Actually, no, she's on her fainting couch, not her bed. Um, is she? Yeah, yeah. She, she's not even like ready for bed. She's like in, I don't know, like, you know, shirt and sweats or whatever. Uh, but she's doing some stuff on her laptop during this. Uh, and Spencer says, you know, Melissa's not going to tell us anything. We need leverage. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll, and uh, Emily can kind of hear some voices downstairs right now. It's her parents talking. So she kind of gets up and walks to the door and she asks, what kind of leverage? And Spencer says her mask. If we can blindside her with it, maybe we can shake some real answers out of her. And Emily's standing in the doorway listening to her parents and she's like, I have to go. And Spencer's like, we'll come up with something tomorrow. So she actually see- says goodnight. Yeah. We see that Spencer has been website paging for Dr. Lewis Palmer online. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's found some some listings nearby. She has, yeah, she has a, a directory of Pennsylvania healthcare professionals. Mm-hmm. Um, so Emily's listening to her, the doorway. Her dad and mom are talking downstairs. They're talking about how worried they are about her. Um, I didn't catch everything they said. But he said Wayne says he tells me social services is asking questions about my family. The look on his face. And Pam's like, I know. I've been getting it from the neighbors. And Wayne's like, it's just gossip. We can deal with that. I'm worried about Emmy. You realize she's lying to us. Why is she lying to us? And poor Emily just looks sad, like, oh, I'm such a bad daughter, even though I'm clearly, like, the best daughter of these four daughters on the show. But the camera pulls back from Emily slowly, like, making her look smaller, making her feel farther away, making her just seem more isolated and helpless. Mm -hmm. It's a really interesting shot. So we cut to Dr. Vargas' office during the day. Emily is sitting at the desk at Dr. Vargas. She's (laughs) wearing a camo hunter's vest or something. Like in honor of her father, yeah. But the kind that you could probably buy at Old Navy. And she says... I think you got the really wrong impression from me the other day. And he's like, and really? A- asshole doc here is like, really? Yeah. And Emily's like, yes, not your fault. Nobody's fault. And I like how she kind of like throws the dickishness back in his face. And you're like, yeah, not your fault. Nobody's fault. But sometimes you say something in the, in the like, wrong way or it comes out wrong. And the person you're talking to, they think there's something going on when there isn't. And he's like, what's the problem? And she's like, nothing's the problem. That's the point. You know, and she's like, did you talk to family services about me? And he says he did. And Emily's like, you shouldn't have done that. I can explain everything. You need to call them back and tell them it was a mistake. He this asked doctor, if, such an asshole. Yeah, he asks if someone's pressured her to come in and talk to him this morning. He tells her this is a safe place and she can tell the truth here. Well, and she's just like incredulous. Yeah, she starts to storm out. But then he says he, he, tells, he was going to call her anyways. He heard back on her x-ray consult, like Dr. A, you know, called him. Mm-hmm. The MRI confirmed that she has a partial tear of her rotator cuff. She asked well, that okay. means... Well, okay. I just have to jump in here. Please do. I heard back from your x-ray consult. Which, the are you not a M- real doctor? The MRI. Like, those are two different things, Mr. Doctor Bro. I don't know if you're aware. They're very different things. Like, was it an MRI consult or was it an x-ray consult? Uh, yeah, but the... He's the, like, I went to the same medical school as Dr. Ren Kingston. Yeah. In quotes. I feel like Dr. even Ren would be better than this guy, and Ren could be a phony for all we know. Uh, Ren, who doesn't even know where the bursa sac is. Yeah. <laughs> partial tear on a rotator cuff, and he's like, what does this mean? And, she says, and he says, you need rest and rehab to repair the muscle or build the shoulder or build your strength. Depending on how that goes, there's a possibility of surgery. And she's like, well, what about swimming? And he's like, if you swim now, you will fucking die. Uh, basically is what he says. It'll completely tear the cuff. Then surgery would be the only option. She's like in after surgery. And he's like with athletes, these results are unpredictable. And Emily should just really just be like, I need a new fucking doctor. Like, well, it's nice. This guy's horrible. 
it's a nice zoom in on her face as all the things that she loves that, they, that make her who she is are being torn yeah. away from well, her. Emily, don't listen to this idiot. He clearly like got his degree in a Cracker Jack box. Like, go to a real sports medicine doctor and get a second opinion. If this town has two dojos, I'm sure they have two sports medicine doctors. He's so, like, athletes? That's unpredictable. It's not like there's, uh, you know, billion dollar business taking care of athletes because they're worth so much. Right. Outside in the park slash like town square of Rosewood during the day, we start on a shot of Dr. or Dr. Lieutenant Tanner's <laughs> royal blue high heels. She's sitting on the park bench, reading files, drinking a smoothie, and we see Hannah walk up to her. Oh, Hannah. Mm-hmm. Oh my Hannah God. is in uh, kind of tall, like black boot, high heel things, uh, black pants, red blazer, and a totally bizarre like yellow shirt that has like newsprint printed on it. This is like fashion as like a big all, headline. It's various newspaper stories are cut out where all the headlines are fashion mm-hmm. in the same way that a newspaper back in the day would announce war. Mm-hmm. And then and the yes, yeah, the yellow top, and there's like little hearts. And like puckered, kissy lips on mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. I love that. Since there's, I feel like there's been much more of the kisses a lately. Yeah, like yeah. They, they'll they'll pepper the girls' wardrobe with these puckered lips, mm-hmm. especially Ari and Hannah. Um, but yeah, she has a red blazer on or a red coat, if you will. Yeah. She's also wearing a necklace that looks like something akin to how the Aztecs would depict the sun. I mean, it's really it's like Hannah's going the full Ari on this episode. Yeah, but this is a more sophisticated look. Sorry, Arya, I know that kills you to hear that. But uh, would you call Hannah like the daytime Arya? Sure, sure. Uh, uh, so, yeah, yeah, Hannah compliments Tanner on her shoes, and Tanner, you know, thanks her, and she oh, has really her notebook gracious. out, and Hannah's like, "What's well, all the paperwork?" And Tanner says she's just trying to stay ahead. And Hannah doesn't want to interrupt, but it, like. Suddenly, like, Tanner gets this kind of, like, cat that ate the canary look on her face. And she's like, oh, you're not. Why don't you sit down? She, like, clears some a space with her file. So Hannah sits down, and they have this, like, really awesome, like, tit-tit between each other, you know? Well, it's it's a fascinating, like, again, both of these women are portraying two different emotions. One mm-hmm. to each other, and one that the audience is picking up on. And a lot of people will give Roma Mafia and her character shit online, but I fucking love her portrayal of Lieutenant Tanner. Well, it's like they're both just trying to feel each other out here. Cause Hannah is like, you know, I've been thinking a lot about all that money you found in Wilden Safe Deposit Box. I mean, there must have been like thousands in there. And Tanner's just like, hmm, must have been. And they're yeah. both just like eyeing each other the whole time, like sizing each other up. Well, they both act like they've got the upper hand. Yeah. On each other. I mean, the only person who could who would have been better in this scene with Lieutenant Tanner would be maybe Melissa. Um, mm. But Hannah's like, yeah, and the other stuff too, like the gun and the passports, and Tanner just nods. And Hannah's like, I mean, normal people don't usually keep that stuff in safety deposit boxes, do they? Tanner says, you'd be surprised, but normal people do. And Hannah's like, I don't know, it just makes me think that maybe he was crooked or in the Russian mob or something. Roma Mafia does the greatest fake slash real shock look on her face. Mm-hmm. And she's like, is there a lot of Russian mob activity here in Rosewood? <laughs> Not after Ari got done with them. Yeah. <laughs> and Hannah's like, no, I just, um, I don't think it's something an honest person would do. But I guess you figure all that stuff out when you work on your case, right? I mean, Hannah really thinks that she's reeling Tanner into this this mm-hmm. amazing chess game that they're and playing. And maybe she is. Uh, she's getting a read on Tanner. I don't know. It, uh, you could argue she's getting here. the wrong read. 
Well, because Tanner is like, you know, mostly it's just talking to people. And then Hannah kind of scoots closer and she's like, you know, the other day I saw your partner talking to Melissa Hastings. <laughs> and Tanner, Fuck that bitch. <laughs> and Tanner leads in like nodding like conspiratorial. Mm-hmm. She's like, yes, he did talk to her. And she's like, yeah, she knew Wilden. And Tanner actually looks like legitimately interested now. And Hannah's like, they went to high school together. They were pretty close. He had a boat in Cape May and she went on it a couple times. And Tanner kind of shifts gears and she's like, did you ever go on his boat? And Hannah's like, me? No. And Tanner says, how many times do you, did you speak to Wilden over the past year or so? And, like, and she's like, how many? And Tanner's like, well, a rough idea. Add it up. The times he came to your school to talk to you when you or your friends were, or, or you know, when you and your friends were arrested for that shovel, the times that he was at your house visiting your mother. I mean, how often do you think? Ballpark number. So it's like, it's like whatever Hannah had planned, she's starting to realize that it's gone away from her. And she yeah. actually looks disgusted. It's, it's so fascinating to watch Ashley Benson's face. I know we talk about her face a lot, but like the sense of superiority that she has has like eroded to like this palpable look. Well, cause disgust. suddenly she's just like, wait a minute. Like what, what trap are you setting up? It's like she can't quite figure what the angle is here, but she's definitely concerned. I literally thought that Norman Buckley started the shot with Tanner's shoes because Hannah was going to vomit on him. <laughs> yeah, but then suddenly Caleb says, hey, and he walks up and he's like, I was waiting for you at the brood. You forget about me? And Hannah's like, oh, I'm sorry. I forgot. And she gets up and she's like, sorry, Tanner. You know, I got to go. Well, and, I got to go. And Tanner's like, that's all right. We'll finish all our talk later. Well, she's like, like analyzing the aftershocks and how her and Caleb like fit with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so Hannah and Caleb walk away and, you know, they're kind of talking to each other like low. And Caleb's like, you're lucky I came along and got you out of that. And Hannah's like, I know what I'm doing. Okay. Which clearly she doesn't. You beautiful magical unicorn. You have no idea what you're doing. And Caleb's like, no, you don't. You're used to dealing with Rosewood's finest. <laughs> they can't find their nightsticks with both hands. Okay. She and the other detectives are the real deal. They're true detectives. Believe me, I know the difference. Actual, Actual bad, bad guys. guys. But also, did you notice the two cops in the background of that scene? I did not, no. There's like these two uniform cops in the background. Oh, yeah. It's like I... one of them is trying to help the other fix his belt. It's like perfect timing as Caleb <laughs> is referring to the Rosa PD as like Keystone Cops. <laughs> these guys are like, holy shit, where's my gun? Well, and the, the <laughs> angle here is that we're, we're you know, following Hannah and, and Caleb looking towards him as they walk away, but in the back of the frame blurred out, like, there's Tanner. She's always in the in the frame behind them, kind of yeah. just like looking over, watching at them. And then Hannah, so Hannah's just like annoyed, and she's just like, "I will do whatever it takes to protect my mother. I don't care what she did." And Caleb says, "We don't know what she did. None of them do." And Hannah just walks off. She's pissed. And Caleb then looks back at Tanner, who's just been you know kind of looking over to him the whole sure time. Enough. Yeah. And she gives him this look like, "Bitch, please," and then just like writes something in her notebook. Yeah, I mean, Hannah and Caleb look suspicious as fuck. Mm-hmm. Um, and I imagine that's what Tanner's writing right now. Suspicious <laughs> as fuck. Transcribe that. Hannah but I, I did feel like there was a little bit of like, look, little boy, don't play our games. Yeah. Look at your hair. Look at my hair. Mm-hmm. My hair is bigger and crazy. Actual bad guys. Yeah. So we cut to a piece of paper with the address for one Dr. Lewis Palmer on it, or who's in Saratoga, New York. And we hear Spencer say... He's not in Pennsylvania anymore. I finally found him in a clinic in New York. So are we at Toby's loft here? We're in Toby's loft over the brew. It's, it's uh, daytime. Toby is sitting over on the couch, whatever, like 
consulting his files as if Toby has files. And he's like, flips through something, and he's like, basically like, yep, I concur, or whatever. Well, like, are you paying rent, Toby? Like, what? Seriously. How long like, do you get to live here? How, what point does the Muffin Man say, I want my fucking loft back, team well, contractor? Who, yeah, who who lives there? I don't know. This is like, yeah, Toby in his, like, taking his sweet time, like, building this, like, rebuilding this loft, has got a sweet little fuck pad there. I feel like it's one of those bullshit things where he's, like, house-sitting or something for, like, a year. Well, is it supposed to be that he's he's remodeling the loft, right? Mm. He uh, was. It looks pretty remodeled to me. Yeah, I don't, seriously. I don't see any construction stuff around. But we don't know the state of the toilet yet. But, yeah, Caleb's like, yes, this has to be him. And Spencer's like, he's not. Yeah. All right, sorry. Oh, wow, I wrote Caleb in my notes, too. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Like so Spencer says it. he's not listed as staff, but he's probably some sort of consulting emeritus kind of thing. And Toby's like, Saratoga? That's a straight shot up the I-87. The I he gets up immediately, and she's like, do you want to call first? And he's like, no, I don't want to take a chance that he won't talk to me. There's a lot of uh, really interesting, like, peek into, like, where the various interstates fit in with Rosewood. Mm-hmm. I really like Amanda. If you're listening, I really want to know like how accurate could any of this be? <laughs> um, yeah, Spencer picks up her purse, like ready to go, and Toby says that he'll call her when he gets there. And she's like, "Uh," because of course she assumed that he'd want her to come along since she's Spencer fucking Hastings. Yeah, but he's like, "No, you should stay and deal with Melissa. The sooner I go, the sooner I get answers. The sooner we can tell the truth." Uh, I presume to the liars about the uh, RV the, the RV. Yeah, uh, and so he's like, "I'll talk to Palmer and get he's- him." To- yeah, sorry, I let me cut. He's mm. so intense about all this in a way that cannot be a turn on. Yeah, no. Uh, he, he'll talk to Palmer and he'll get him to tell me what he didn't put in his report. I'm leaving right now. And so he kisses her, and there's this super weird cut. I don't know what this is. I, I don't know what this is supposed to be. I can Whoa. only. I feel like they did this because they like didn't have coverage that they needed because they Spencer and oh, hold on, Toby hold on, hold on. first like like Spencer's like. Do you have to go right now? And Toby, mm-hmm. teen contractor and fountain of wisdom, is like, now is all I got. Yeah. So yeah, they, then they kiss. They kiss, and it does this weird thing where they kiss, and then it like crossfades to like them pulling apart from a kiss. But now Seconds. they're in the brew. Yeah, they're like they've like t- teleported to the brew to like break apart from this kiss, and then he walks off. I feel like I don't know why they did that. I- I'm fascinated by that shot. I think it's brilliant. I think it's the mm-hmm. kind of thing that you used to see. In movies that would star like Robert Redford and like, uh, uh, what's her name with the nose? Streisand. Mm. <laughs> the way we weren't. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's such an interesting, weird transition. So Toby's gone out, out the brew. Spencer then goes over to Arya, who's been sitting there, waiting there, watching them the whole time. Arya, by the way, um, black skirt, big, wide, pink studded belt, a tank top, white tank top, like a wife beater with, uh, like pink lightning bolts all over it. Yeah, it's fascinating. So just chew on that. Uh, so fitting. Um, it's interesting. This is the second time in what two episodes where Arya is in the like just watching and passing judgment over Spencer and Toby. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so, so Spencer f- walks over to Arya, and Arya kind of she's like, "Where is he going?" And Spencer kind of lies and says that he's going to work. And Arya's like, "You know what he's doing, don't you?" And Spencer kind of eyes her very cautiously, but then Arya is like, "He's going to find the lair. He can't do that on his own." A really knows how to hold a grudge. Like it's like, no, you don't know what's going on, Arya. You know who else <laughs> knows how to hold a grudge, Arya. Mm-hmm. Spencer's like, nah, he'll be okay. You don't know what's really going on. That's all I care about. Yeah. And then Emily walks up, and kind of the, the planning begins. Spencer says, okay, so if you wanted a mask made, who would you ask? 
And Ari says, somebody worked at a costume shop. And he's like, Shauna? And Ari says, you think Shauna's involved? And he says, nothing. Like, where were you going with that, Arya, if you brought up the costume shop? Yeah, seriously. Uh, and Spencer says, I want to see what happens when Melissa sees the mask. Will she go to Shauna's or Hector's or somewhere else? Uh, and so we have the, the beginnings of a plan here. But then Paige walks in, so Emily goes over to talk to her. And Spencer asks Arya, like, are you ready for this? And Arya's like, oh, I can't tonight. And Spencer's like, oh, that's cool. Melissa's at home today. Uh, yeah, I'll see again tomorrow night. And Arya's like, yeah, that's cool. I'm seeing Jake tonight. And Spencer says, notice how I have no reaction to that. I am completely neutral. Mm-hmm. And Arya says, come on, knock it off. And Spencer says, look, after everything that you've been through, you deserve a little bit, something a little bit less dot, dot, dot. And Arya's like, insane, hopeless, impossible. <laughs> and Spencer says, complicated. And then Avril Lavigne starts playing on the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And so Arya says, well, that's what I'm trying for. I can't tell if Spencer is shipping Ezria or not here. I feel like Spencer always secretly ships Ezria. Mm. Outside the brew. And so Emily and Paige are outside walking, talking. I know a couple episodes ago I was really hard on Paige. And I just have to say that if I was hard on her then, I'm going to be a lot harder now. Um, <laughs> You're, you are a Paige hater, I got to say. I, I'm not nearly as hard on Paige as you are. So we're not on the same page? Mm. Um, Paige says, you know, I was worried when you missed practice. And Emily says... That won't be the only one I miss. And Paige is like, that sucks. And Emily says extremely. Paige's raspy voice reminds me so much or so little or something of Peppermint Patty. Mm. Like, does the PLL community I think it's a, a hair. Of, does the PLL community make a lot of, like, Paige, Peppermint Patty, like, fours or against? I mean, I'm really trying to go, like, I tried to go with the whole, like, Peanuts Gang thing here. Where Spencer's Charlie Brown. Ari is Lucy. Hannah is Sally. Emily is Franklin. But it doesn't hold up after that. No. Uh, so Paige says, yeah, you're handing me an edge. And Emily's like, you don't need an edge. Paige says, everybody needs an edge. Cut off that last hundredth of a second. Paige does need an edge. That's exactly why she tried to drown Emily once upon a time. Mm-hmm. So Emily says, Paige, you're, you know, you're a very competitive person. Paige agrees. And Emily, she starts to kind of be like, hey, what if, uh, and she's like, stop. She's like, oh, nothing. Never mind. Like, give me a kiss. So they kiss and hug, but you can see Emily's very worried. Yeah, because she's she's thinking about her her lost swimming career now. But see, there's things that I love that Emily starts off this scene like very hard boiled as usual. But like, there's things that you are, and there's things that you choose. Emily's sexuality oh, wow. is who she is, yeah. but swimming is one of those the things. Karate Jake dispensing his wisdom here. Yeah, she, it's one of those things that she chose and loved because it it was who she is. It's like she's defined by it. it's falling away from her. And I don't know that Paige gets that completely. So Emily's like, just give me a kiss, okay? And Paige gladly does so. But I feel like Emily is spending a lot of this season, like, soothing Paige, buying into, like, her skewed view of things, because I think she probably prefers Paige's, like, warped take on their lives to reality, or, well, as we mortals call it, love. It beats being stalked by a ghost ninja. But Emily is fairly hardboiled this season. She's basically Humphrey Bogart with better legs and nicer lip gloss. Mm-hmm. So, cut to Karate Bro Jake. He's walking with Arya through kind of downtown area. Taking a stroll. Talking about how much he loves Jackie Chan. Yeah, walking right in the middle street. So, again, Arya, this scene is bonkers to me. And I'm going to, I'm going to take that word back because that's Mm -hmm. our originally, but Arya looks like the most well put together, posh, gothic queen of phantasmagoria. And this son of a bitch is talking to her about Jackie Chan in a leather jacket. Yeah. Yeah. Step up, bro. Yeah, leather like, jacket and khakis, like cargo pants. Jackie Chan is all about showing you how hard it is. Step up, bro, Jake says. And, yeah, and Arya's like, like, yeah, he's kind of goofy sometimes. Just like this conversation. Yeah. 
And he says, well, goofiness is part of his charm. Speaking of Asian people, then Malcolm comes running over. I I really love this. Malcolm runs out of the bookstore and he's like, Arya. And it's really awkward for Arya. She's like, she's like, oh shit. Like, how do I be nice to this kid, but not like give too much away about what's going on to Jake? Cause Jake's like right here. You know, and she's like, hello, are you alone? And he's like, mom and Ezra are inside buying books. Yeah. And then Jake has, if anybody can pull off, it's Arya. She is the conductor after all. Yeah. And Jake has to do that, like, hey, I'm good with kids thing, where he says, oh, what kind of books? Uh, scary ones? And, or I'm sorry, Malcolm says scary ones, which I feel like that's an interesting detail that never got followed up on. Why are Maggie and Ezra buying scary books? Because they're, they're shitty parents. I mean, if yeah. Malcolm could run outside to greet Arya, then he could wander into his the street, too. Seriously. And, and get Jake's... His, if, he can get, if he can fall off a bed, this kid can get his stupid ass hit by a car. Mm. And Jake says, oh, those are the best kind, right? And Malcolm agrees. And then he's like, Arya, why don't you come over anymore? And Arya looks, like, mortified but putting on a grid front, you know. And she's like, well, uh, sometimes people get busy. They can't always do what they want to do. Look, you better get inside before your mom and dad start looking for you, okay? And he's like, okay. And, like, they say goodbye. He runs inside. How badly did, like, when Jake started talking to Malcolm, you want Malcolm to turn and be like, fuck off, bitch. I don't know who you are. Stranger <laughs> danger. Uh, Malcolm clearly doesn't know how to do that at all. No. Uh, so he runs back inside, and Arya and Jake walk on, and she's like walking ahead, like like speed walking almost. Like right. we got to get out of here, you know. And he's like, "Nice kid." And Arya's like, "Yeah." And he's like, "So uh, who's Ezra? Is he family?" Friend of the and, family. And Arya says, "No, just one of my teachers." And like she keeps walking, and Jake pauses mm-hmm. to watch her be shady as fuck. Just one of my teachers. And then we kind of, we've gone to a commercial and come back. We're on the Montgomery house, like, swing out on the front porch. Arya's kind of braced and tense. She's just told Jake the, the story of Ezra here. Well, she's and, she's sitting on the swing watching Jake. Mm-hmm. He's standing, like, putting distance between them. She has seemingly, yeah, just sung him the ballad of Ezra. And he's like, well... I knew you were interesting when I met you. I just didn't know how interesting. And it's like, hey, hey Jake, get it right. She's unexpected. That, not, that's not the a, word you're supposed to use. Not a bad line, though, considering this is Ari you're talking about. But he unexpected. looks like he's like he looks like he's processing all this, processing all this in a way that like he might also be lacking oxygen to his brain and like but, queasy. Uh, yeah, yeah. But when Ari is scandalous, she's interesting. She mm-hmm. says that you know when she tells the whole story like that, it sounds like a movie. Seven <laughs> seasons in a movie sounds kind of like a movie. Aren't I sophisticated and interesting? And Jake says, "Black and white or color." And Happy Arya's... parts in color, sad parts are in black and white. Foreshadowing the shadow play. Mm-hmm. Arya Montgomery is sometimes the monochrome vixen of this <laughs> four film noirish like tale. Yeah. yeah, he sits out on the the little swinging bench and. He sighs and he's like, you know you're not finished with him, don't you? And Ari's like, no, I, I have to be finished for everybody's sake. And he's like, you might have to be, but I'm telling you, you're not. I love her performance, though, because right before he started talking to her, as he sits down to her and like, you know, does that, like, I'm going to be the good guy thing, she is staring at him with these like dead eyes as mm-hmm. if she's waiting for him to say something mean and probably yeah, accurate yeah. to her. Um, but yeah, so Ari's like, well, no, it's done. The movie's over. And like... Jake, don't speak into too many like complicated film metaphors to the to the drunken master here. You know, like he's like, "What makes you so sure?" And so she just like leans over and kisses him after a moment. 
But then he like he kind of pulls her away, like pulls her wrist away, and he's just like, "Do you really want to be with someone who'd kiss you after you told telling the story like that?" And Ari's like, "I have to do something. I can't just stay in this place." I mean, I don't like Jake, but he has an excellent point there. And Arya, like, yeah, she 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 can't stay in this place. She throws her hands up in the air, like, "Well," and it's like Jake is only just now realizing how selfish Ari is, mm-hmm. and she's basically unknowingly admitting that she's just using Jake to get over it. Yeah, really. And then uh, I got a little, little Jake monologue here. Oh boy, you can do it. I'll I'll do my best. I don't can know if I voice? can match that stuff. Can up, you bro. do the Sean Ferris voice while you do the Jake monologue? I don't think I can. That'd be amazing. Uh, he says, Sometimes when I'm teaching a class, a kid takes bad hits and starts to cry, and I'll ask him, "Are you hurt or are you injured?" Now, if you're injured, I'll send you home. But if you're hurt, shake it off. Get back on the mat. You have to figure out if you're hurt or you're injured. And Arya's like, look, I know that was supposed to be helpful, but that went completely over my fucking head. Sports analogies do not work on the almighty Shusher. Not not much of a feat. Arya's only four feet tall. Everything yeah. goes over her head. But yeah, I guess kids get fucked up doing martial arts in this two-dojo town. And he's like, well, that's the only advice I have. I, I use it for everything. Sometimes it applies. He, he literally says that. I'm not making that up. Yeah. Um, that's the only advice he has. And so he but, gets up to go, and Arya's like, can I call you? And he's like, yeah, you can call me. Again, I don't like Jake, but here's some, some solid advice my own bro to bro. Do you really want to be with somebody who doesn't get your bullshit karate metaphor wisdom? Even though uh, your your wisdom is basically like walk it off, shake it off, cowboy up? That's the downside. The upside is that she's gorgeous, he, so, you know. Yeah, he, he, and she is very interesting. She is a mysterious girl. Lurk Unexpected. But, yeah, he delivers all of his lines like he's basically David Carradine in Kung Fu. Yeah, so he leaves and Arya kind of smiles a little. So, I mean, I, but I love that she's always, every scene on her porch, she's always sitting on that, that swing. If Rosewood was set just a little more in the south, she'd always have a glass of sweet tea in her hand and maybe like a fan in the other. Yeah, so cut to the uh, Shady Acres mental place here. Toby is kind of walking on the so, greens. He talks to some people. and This they point is the him, next day? I guess, yeah. Because it's daytime. I have no idea. Maybe this is just cutting back to earlier in the day. So mm-hmm. so people point him over to uh, Dr. Palmer here. He's like an old man. He's dressed in like a sweater and bow tie. He's sitting on a bench on the greens, kind of like just staring out. He's got a straw hat on the ground, like a cookie tin with him. And Toby walks up and he you know, asks if he's Dr. Lewis Palmer. He is. Toby introduces himself, says he'd like to ask him about a patient the doctor had in Radley. And the doctor's like, in Rosewood? And Toby says, yes, in Rosewood. Dr. Patient returns from his memory palace, yeah. Yeah, patient was my mother, Marion Cavanaugh. She killed herself. And Dr. Palmer's like, please, sit down. So, two things. Toby's wearing a red t-shirt with an unbuttoned blue shirt over it and some khaki pants. This is basically his summer bro look. I would call it more of a salmon t-shirt. Sure. It's like a summer bro look. It's like as far from like the dual identities of A as can be. Uh, also, the actor playing Dr. Palmer, who I think is great in this, is the guy who, the farmer who turned in Kate in the second episode yes. of Lost. Mm-hmm. Um, so we cut Elven to Hannah's kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> no arm. Yeah. He cuts to Hannah's, we cut to Hannah's kitchen at day. Ashley and Hannah walk in. Ashley's explaining to Hannah that her bosses have restricted her from taking clients into the vault anymore. Hannah asks this because of the two detectives in Bolton's box, and did those state cops tell the bank to not let Ashley in there anymore? Ashley says that she doesn't know. She's like, I don't know. And Hannah's like, well, ask them. And Ashley is getting kind of more and more kind of frustrated. And she's like, no more questions, Hannah. 
And Anna says, Mom, you have the right to know. And Ashley's like, and what if they say yes? And she like throws up her arms in frustration. She's like, yes, the state police suggested it might be a good idea to keep you out of the vault. What do I do then? And Hannah says, I was kind of hoping with Wilden dead and be the end of it. And Ashley says, you know, I thought so too for a minute. Now he's dead. Things are worse than ever. No more dead cops. Hannah Uh, says, are they? Yeah. And Ashley says, this will not touch you. I promise. No matter what happens, it won't touch you. Like they're mafia women. Yeah. (laughs) Hannah says, mom, I know you were here in Rosewood the night Wilden was killed. And Ashley's like, how do you know that? And Hannah kind of looks down. She's like, I was kind of hoping you'd deny it one more time. And then, then, like, the room suddenly gets much darker, like, the the sun has gone behind some clouds, and yeah. we hear, like, a crow cawing. I don't know if that's, like, a Ravenswood, like, uh, symbolism, girls, or I don't know what's going on. The Marin girls are quiet as their lives darken. But the sun has passed behind a cloud in the Marin lifestyle. So meta. But I, I, when I first watched this episode way back when, I really thought for a minute there that they were setting up that possibly Ashley did something to protect Hannah. Like she thought, mm-hmm. or like she thinks that Hannah Could committed be. this murder or something. I don't know. Um, so we cut back to where we hear over that scene as the Marin girls are quiet. We hear Dr. Palmer's voice over the end of that scene. And Dr. Palmer says, when something like that happens, you look back, you take apart every conversation. Did I do something wrong? Did I miss a warning sign? We cut to Toby and Dr. Palmer on that bench talking. And Toby says, you talked to her on the day she died. And he's like, yeah, I did. You know, some people, you know, some people, it's like the air weighs more for them, pushes them down, wears them out. And your mother, she was like that. And then she fell. And Toby's like, there's a big difference between falling and being pushed. Nice Toby voice. And it's kind of surprises the doctor. And Toby's just like, I've seen the roof. And Palmer nods, and Toby's like, you don't think she jumped, do you? And Palmer says, doctors can experience denial, too. Toby is asking, uh, you know, did she have any trouble with any of the other patients? Uh, who on the staff, aside from, you know, Palmer here, did she talk to? Any visitors? And the doctor kind of considers this, and he leans in, and he's like, she loved you, Toby. She hated being away from you. But there were forces that were just too much for her. And Toby kind of frowns. He's like, forces? People? I just want to say, before we get to the next part, like, mm-hmm. Toby looks so sad during yeah. all this. He's so I, invested. I, I just wrote down in my notes, hashtag, acting! Yeah, he's so invested. Oh, he he is actually, he's like, like holding up his hand a few times here, too. Oh, he's like, doing some crazy yeah. hand acting. Yeah. yeah. Did she ever mention any names? And Palmer says, as I said, the air. It just got too heavy for her. I mean, that's a real problem, the air. It's just too heavy for them. And Toby's face is just like, ah, shit. <laughs> and Palmer's like, I- I'm studying that now. And Toby's like, studying what? And he says, the heaviness of air. I've made it in my life's work. There are too many good people being crushed by the heaviness of air. And Toby kind of looks down. It's like he's like considering the straw hat now. And he's like, very carefully, he's like, how long have you been working here, Dr. Palmer? And Palmer's like, oh, well, they uh, they let me uh, do research here, but I'm not formally affiliated with the staff. And Toby's like, but you live here, don't you? And Palmer's like, yes, yes, I live here. <laughs> Are you sure you won't have a macaroon? And he, like, holds up his cookie tin. And Toby's like, no, no, thank you. And he gets up. Uh, sorry to bother you. And Palmer's like, no, it's no bother. It's always nice to have visitors. Come back, all right? Bring your mother next time. I'd love to see her again. And Toby's just like sad face. He's like, yes, sir. So Toby walks off and then Palmer calls out to him and he says, 
Will you tell her to stay away from that girl? Until he freezes, turns around, he's stunned. What girl? And Palmer's like, that girl, that blonde girl. There's something wrong with the air around that one. Very troubling. And now Toby's face is like, oh, shit. A could not have planned for that meeting to have gone any better than it did. Also, it was just like, wow, that really went wonderfully. Yeah. Also, maybe in the drive home, Toby can stop and take a few photos since Keegan Allen's photography book came out. Mm, yeah. Do you know what it's called? I do not know. Life, love, beauty. Excellent. <laughs> so, um, maybe Toby shouldn't just have any scenes without any liars because he doesn't. He doesn't <laughs> seem necessary without their context. You're saying he didn't crush it in that scene? I I think he was amazing, <laughs> but I just would love to see Spencer's Dr. reaction Palmer. to his reaction. So good establishing shot. Do you that live same, here? That same establishing shot of Rosewood and I, really beyond Keegan Allen, you were amazing. I try. I really have you do. thought about like if they ever recast, we get like the third Toby, like you could be him. I, I I don't know if I could approach the majesty of Keegan. I know Allen's. it's an agent's thing. Yeah. It's, it's contracts. Like also, I don't like his hair. I just I don't know if my hair can do that. True, true. It can't get big enough, like a, like a crazy bird about to take flight. It was a good mm-hmm. establishing shot. Rosewood at night. I kept wondering, like, are we going to see the train passing again? Yeah. I love this is the only establishing shot of Rosewood, the town. Like, going back to, like, season one, when, like, uh, I think the first time we saw it was when Spencer and Toby go up to, like, Lookout Point. I think that's actually a different shot then, but yeah. I think it might be the same shot. I could be wrong, but I, I'm, yeah. Anyway, so we got to Spencer's house from there. It's night. Melissa walks into the living room. She sets her purse down on the couch. She heads to the kitchen. We see some of this from the window. It's the usual voyeuristic shots of what would appear to be yeah, someone spying on a character. Someone's watching Melissa here. As Melissa gets herself, she like immediately makes a beeline for some white wine. She gets mm-hmm. the wine out, gets glass, pours some wine, and then she stops as she's pouring the wine. She notices her suitcase is just sitting right, at, sitting out right next to the couch. She kind of sets the bottle down slowly, and then we hear Spencer say, What's my suitcase doing down here? Maybe Mom brought it in from the barn, but why? And then we see that Spencer is outside narrating as she she and Arya are watching Melissa. They're the ones spying on Melissa, and they're filming her with Spencer's phone. And then they're, like, moving around from window to window to, like, get better angles as like Spencer's like doing this weird narration thing as she watches Melissa. Well, it's it's nighttime, so inside the house with the lights mm-hmm. on, all Melissa will see out on the windows is her own reflection. Yeah, so Melissa goes over and opens the suitcase, and Spencer's like, "What's in here?" She's like narrating like Melissa's thoughts, you know. And Melissa like finds a mask, and Spencer's like, "What the hell is this?" Melissa looks around, freaked out, and Spencer says, "No, it's just you, Melissa. Just you and that mask. Now, where did it come from?" And Ari's like, is she going to figure it out? And Spencer says, yeah, just give her a second. She's smart. Very smart. She she relishes on calling it back to yeah. It's like In her own way, she's making Melissa pay for it. <laughs> but I like I want, I really wanted the mask to be found, like buried under the aforementioned smart trench coat. Yeah. Well, and, and Melissa, meanwhile, is like, what the fuck? Like her facial expressions, like like uh, Spencer's like gleefully grinning and smiling through this. As Melissa just looks like, like totally like super concerned and frightened and like what is going on, you know? Like I uh, said, every, every Melissa scene should be played like she's either entering the scene or leaving the scene and is going to collect an award. Mm-hmm. And the unfortunately, the award is this mask of her face. Yeah. So they're watching Melissa kind of contemplate, think hard. And Spencer's like, okay, work it out, Melissa. Where could it have come from? Who could have made it? And Melissa gets up and Spencer says, good girl. That's where it must have come from. 
Now, what are you going to do? And Lissa is kind of pensive for another few beats, and then she moves into action, and Spencer and Arya follow. Come on! Yeah. Um, I, I love Spencer's narration. There. It reminded like, me... like I wish they had gone even farther with it, because I kept thinking about... Uh, I believe it's that scene in Angel, where uh, Spike oh, yeah. Angel like saving the damsel in distress in the alleyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, no, madam. Sexual frustration and being a big, poofy dandy is all I require. Mm-hmm. Um... So Emily's house in her living room, we see the camera actually starts in the dining room, showing off the half eaten dinner that was seemingly abandoned for this family meeting, which is happening in the living room. Emily's in there with Pam and Wayne. Emily's sitting in a chair. Her mom's sitting in a chair. Wayne is standing there, arms folded over his chest, passing mm-hmm. patriarchal judgment. He's wearing a shirt that probably came from Old Navy or maybe Target. It's got it's a wedding kind- ring on. It's the kind of shirt that you, that, that you wear as a middle-aged man to really show that you're heterosexual. Sure. Uh, so what's he saying? Um, he's like, your mother and I have cut you a lot of slack. Now this injury sidelines you, and you still haven't told us the truth about how it happened. And Emily's Emily's like, stone-faced. Doesn't matter how it happened. And Pam's like, it does matter to us and to family services. And Wayne says, and those people think that what happened to you happened in this house. And Emily's like, it didn't. And Wayne says, then where did it happen? Pam says, did somebody hurt you? And Emily's like, no, can you just trust me? And Wayne's like, this has nothing to do with trust. This has to do with, you know, we have a right to know as your parents. And Emily's just like, can you please not shout? And Wayne's just like frustrated now. He can't respond. And so then Pam like tags in and she's like, you want us to trust you about, you know, what about trusting us? You could cut us out of everything that's going on. You know, you cut us out of everything that's going on. Suddenly the police think we hurt you. And Emily's like, I tried to explain. Okay, I talked to Dr. Vargas. And Pam's just like, you talked to him? And Wayne's just like, you are not to talk to that man. He's a terrible fucking doctor. And Emily gets up. She's like, I've had enough. you know. And Pam yells, like, we're not done. And Emily like kind of storms off and stops at the front door. And she's like, look, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know? And Wayne says, there are other things we need to discuss, you know, we're, like, uh, where are you going to go to college? How are we going to pay? And Pam's like, uh, you know, we don't really need to talk about that right now. And he's like, look, I know I screwed up on the scholarship. If I can't swim, uh, you know, I'll get another job. We'll get three. And Wayne says, uh, you know, been through more things than anyone your age should have to survive. And we thought it was over, but it's not, is it? Is it? And- Emily's got a whole lot of inner turmoil here. Her parents just watch her. And Emily screams, I don't know, and she runs out. I want to point out that as Emily says that she'll get another job, she'll get three. Mm-hmm. I had to send Benjamin Light a uh, YouTube clip of Harrison Ford saying, I already work around the clock. Yeah, and Emily says, I don't know, okay? I don't know. And she runs out of the house and right down the street. And Wayne and Pam run out calling to her, like, come back here. Emily just keeps running in, and Wayne's just like, come back here this second. You hear me? But Emily's just like, peace out. So, um, trouble me. in the paradise that is the Fields household. It reminds me just a little bit of Peter Hastings chasing after Spencer. She was driving away in Toby's yeah. truck back in season two. But also, this scene was incredibly frustratingly boring to me. And I think part of the problem is that Emily's family, in a lot of ways, some of them are nor- some of them make sense, some of them are gross, is the most normal family. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so it's like when they have normal family shit, it's not yeah. as fun as Hastings shit. Well, and I do kind of get the feeling like they're never really going to, like, seriously fuck up Emily's family. Like, it just doesn't feel like they're ever... Right, like, but every every conversation between one or more of the Montgomery clan is mm-hmm. like, 
interior design on a hellscape you know like yeah. then you have like emily just talking about real parent like shit and like like the ramifications of what the pll's do and emily's like, emily's relationship with her parents is the most normal and therefore the most uninteresting it really it really like like sucks you out of the adrenalized hyper reality that is mm. this show um so speaking of which we cut back to hannah's kitchen tonight Hannah and Caleb are discussing Ashley. Caleb has a cool shirt with skulls on it. We don't talk about the guy fashion very often, but it's happening. Oh. Um, we find out that Hannah... You are his biggest fan, so... I may be. Um, yeah. We find out that Hannah and Ashley's earlier conversation continued on into Ashley's room. Caleb asks about it, and Ashley says... Ashley had told Hannah that she indeed did come Hannah back says, to Rosewood. Yeah. yeah, Hannah says that Ashley had told her that she'd come back to Rosewood that night. And Wilden? Hannah says, she didn't tell me. Why would she ask my dad for money? Caleb says, I don't know. Maybe she's going to pay Wilden off. Maybe she was going to pay somebody. And Hannah's like, to what? Kill him? And Caleb's like, I didn't say that. And Hannah's like, well, you were thinking it. And Caleb's like, I was only thinking what other people might be thinking. Yeah, Caleb, you're on thin ice. Just saying. Uh, and he's like, Hannah, did she say anything about a gun? And then the doorbell rings. And Hannah walks off to answer as Caleb kind of leans, leans against the counter in the hallway here. Isn't stressed it, out. Isn't it interesting, though, how the camera stays with caleb during the yeah because we we hear hannah answer the door and it's holbrook he's like hello hannah and then caleb walks over like uh-oh and then we i, caleb, I, I feel like they're like kind of like 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 laying the groundwork for you know obviously if you know anything about where the show goes they're not going mm-hmm. there but like a, a holbrook caleb hannah like triangle or something you know it's mm-hmm. like it's like caleb like here's i don't know maybe he just heard the cops he has to go yeah. investigate so he walks into the foyer. Uh, Hannah has let Holbrook and Tanner in, and they're hoping to talk to Ashley. And Hannah says, oh, she's not here. And Holbrook's like, really? Her car's out front. And Hannah doesn't really have an answer for this. And Tanner kind of gives her this look like, come on, that was a rookie mistake. Like, the yeah. look she gives Hannah is just kind of like disappointment, you know? And then Caleb walks up, and he's like, yeah, you know what? I actually drove it here. One of the speakers is shortened out. So Hannah's mom asked me to take a look. And Holbrook's like, Caleb, right? And Caleb's like, yeah. And Tanner smiles, and she's like, well, tell your mom we stopped by. And she gives Hannah one last look, kind of down her nose, and they depart. And then once they're gone, Hannah hugs Caleb, because he finally, like, just did what she wanted, which is to, you know, just cover, basically. Act normal. And then they hear a noise and look up, and Ashley is at the top of the stairs, looking like she feels awful. And also kind of pissed at the same time. Super solemn, yeah. Yeah, and then she just like walk, turns and walks off, and Hannah and Caleb were just like, Egh. But Caleb knows how to like come in and like normalize the situation to make it seem like he's at ease, everything's mm-hmm. cool, you know? Because that's he's basically, dealt with actual bad guys, right? But that's what Tanner's picking up on, though. Yeah, right? it's when people act like fishy, mm-hmm. um, which putting Tanner in a room with Arya would be amazing. <laughs> But so the rose we cut to the Rosewood Swamp on the other side of on some Torch side of Lake. Torch Lake there. Yeah. We see Spencer and Arya walking. This is a team Sparium. Yeah, this isn't a swamp. I you gotta give the right description here. This is like a, a lake or a pond. Yeah, I hear them say that. It looks shitty. They're not in the south. It looks shitty. So um, Arya so- Arya and Spencer approach. Spencer's like, I take it this is Hector's place, and Arya says, Yep, and all its creepiness. Arya is wearing a black sweatshirt, and on one shoulder, I don't know if that's bling or a tiny representation of the cosmos, but as for her I think outfit it's both. in general, as for her outfit in general, she's dressed like a cross between like Harley Quinn and Beetlejuice. Mm-hmm. And so Arya is like, yep, and all its creepiness, I love it. 
So they yeah. hear a noise. Team Sparia ducks around the corner. Just as like a door's opening, they they just manage to duck around the side of the studio here and hide as the door is opening, and then Melissa Hastings walks out the front door of the studio, dragging this like big heavy bag of stuff behind her. It could be a body. And Melissa like kind of pauses, looks around, looks over at a pier on like the nearby like lake there, and then starts dragging over in that direction. And Spencer's like, "Is that sack big enough for Hector?" And Ari's like, "No." And Spencer says, "Good." Well, so they, they get up. Arya ponders it for a moment. She's like, yeah. no. Yeah, and they get up, and Spencer says, okay, I want to follow Melissa. Can you keep an eye on Hector? And Arya's like, yeah, sure. About all three martial arts lessons. Spencer raises her hand like, come on. you know." She like, literally shrugs, yeah. She's yeah, after Melissa. and then she just leaves to follow Melissa. Yeah, Arya heads inside Hector's like cabin slash studio. Um, so inside Hector Lime's studio, uh, Arya's looking around. And we cut it's a lot of cutting in, cutting inside, cutting outside. Are you yeah, Sp- snooping Spencer's, inside? Yeah, Spencer's following Melissa down this like little woodsy trail that like ducks around to the little dock thing. Um, as we learned when Spencer followed Mona out into the woods during the Dark Spencer saga, Spencer follows really close behind her mm-hmm. prey, but she's quiet though. Yeah. Uh, so then back inside, Arya whips out like a little like hand like palm flashlight. Mm-hmm. It turns it on and starts like snooping into the like the closets and the stacks here. Makes you wonder which of the PLLs is the best flashlights. Yeah. Outside, Melissa Hastings is pulling white plaster masks out of her like sack and smashing them against a boat cleat on like the end of this like dock to the lake that she's on. She's like mask after mask, like smash it on the on the boat cleat and then throw the refuse into the lake. I seriously thought when I first watched this that Arya was going to find Hector Lime's mangled corpse. But mm-hmm. she passes by some very realistic-looking bodies. So she also yeah, she starts... keeps hearing, like, rat noises and, like, bats yeah. and shit. Yeah, it sounds like some goddamn bats are flying around in there. Um, She rounds the corner of some shelves of masks, and we hear, like, those bats fluttering. She gets that mirror on the wall, the same one that spooked Hannah in the last episode. But this time, the mirror reflects an Allison mask. Oh, yeah. When when Hannah encountered this mirror, she saw herself and, like, you know, spooked. When Arya sees the mask, she sees in, instead reflected one of the... Or, I'm sorry, when she sees the mirror, she sees reflected one of the white masks of Allie on a shelf. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Mm-hmm. A lot of potential theories about masks, identity, and she, appearance, reflection. She, she walks over and like kind of turns around to like see this mask on the shelf and then she, you know, there's like all the, these other masks are covered in a blanket so she pulls off this like tarp and there's just like mask after mask after mask all of Allie. Like there's shitloads of them. Yeah. And she kind of pans the flashlight across and super So creepy. she... She moves into the actual studio part. And we see that chair where he had Emily sit to take the mold of her face in the last episode. Hector Lime is there wiping the chair down, cleaning it. Arya comes up behind him and she's just like, knock, knock. Hector Lime is seriously startled. He's like totally spooked. He's just like, nah. You know, he like stands up and like sees her. Arya, by the way, has one of those masks in her hand. Well, I think we were struggling in the last episode to say that there's like this touch of like Michael Keaton to the actor who plays Hector Lime. Oh, sure, yeah. Uh, uh, so says, Hector's like, I'm closed for business right now. And Arya's like, well, you probably should have locked your doors. And Hector looks straight logic. up terrified of Arya right now. He's just like, logic. oh shit, this is how I die. Yeah. You know? and, and she like approaches him and holds up one of the alley masks. And she's like, you told Emily you destroyed all these. And he's like, I said I destroyed the mold. I kept the casting. Says, so you lied. So and he says, I didn't have the heart to destroy them. And he takes the mask. He's like, I mean, look at her. 
She's beautiful. This is where Arya's a stickler for her lifestyle. Yeah, he caresses the mask. Mm-hmm. And Arya says, did Alice never come out here for anybody else? And he's like, no, she was always alone, except. And Arya's like, except what? The camera lowers down to focus on the, the Allison mask his hands. And then flashback. Flashback to Arya. Or I'm sorry, to Allison in like a kind of a flower print sundress, like kind of storming into the studio. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's just like, hey, I want the rest of my money. And Hector is like in like kind of he's got like is that a do rag like That's what is he wearing? Do-rag. Yeah, yeah. This is like lets you know it's a little bit younger. Hector's like in his do rag, and he's just like I told you when I get paid, you get paid. The deal was payment on delivery, minus the cost of the mask you want. And Allie says uh, she gets right up in his face, and she's just like, "How much do you have right now?" And he's like, "Well, not what I owe you, that's for sure." And like the. Like, what does the face of, like, an evil teenage sociopath go for? Like, how much would Allie be getting for this, for, like, modeling her face? I Apparently a fucking ton. Yeah, because, like, and then I wondered, like, did somebody put him up to this? Like, was that whole, like, it was the whole Joan of Arc thing, like, a ruse to get, like, her face? I don't know. It's very curious. Like, how much, how much would you have to, like, if you, so you were looking at an ad. Like, how much money would it have to be for you to think, hey, I should do that? Well, to I mean, also, over a hundred bucks, right? Like, to also go out to this creepy fucking yeah. studio in the middle of nowhere? Yeah, I don't know. A, a small fucking fortune. Yeah, so Allie's like, <laughs> Allie's like, I'll take what you got on you and we'll call it square. Call it square. She's, I love call it. Call it square. Yeah, give me the money. And he, like, kind of shrugs and gets his wallet out and starts looking through it. She just, like, grabs all the cash that's in it. First of all, messing with Allison Dillard's money is like messing with her emotions. But didn't you expect mm-hmm. Hector Lime to have his like like a chain wallet? Oh yeah, seriously. Wouldn't that have been amazing? Yeah, and so she just grabs like the money right out of his hand, and and she, she, he's like, "I'll still pay you the rest when I get it." And now he's just like, "What's the quickest way to Route 30 from here?" And so he kind of gives her some directions, and she takes off. And outside, she's like very hurriedly walks over and gets into the passenger seat of a black sedan. And Hector's kind of come out to lean against the door and like watch her drive off. Um, I tried so hard to figure out what kind of car this was. I couldn't find the logo oh, anywhere. Whose car it could be? Yeah. So we, and flashback. We don't see the driver. Yeah. After you've seen Toby Cavan on a do rag, which is like caressing the face of God while he or she is sleeping, everything else pales. And the only thing that would have been better is if Allison said to Hector Lyman and his do rag, "Don't you wish you had kissed me?" or something mm-hmm. creepy. Yeah. yeah, so we got back to Ari and Hector Lime are talking, and Hector Lime says, and that was the last I saw of her. Yeah, and uh, couldn't he see who was driving? And he's like, no, bad angle. And Ari says, when was this? And he says, the summer she disappeared. Which I guess means this was, like, I mean, who knows when this was? That she's in Cape May? I don't know. Was it like was this was this the day she was murdered? Like uh, you know, she she sure did do a lot that day. Did she have time to go to Brookhaven and to come here? I don't know. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't go back and like match the dress. That would have been interesting. We probably should. Yeah, no. She, I mean, she wasn't in the yellow top. That's for sure. Um, that was so party off at that. Night. Yeah, yeah. So cut out to the dock where Melissa is smashing the fuck out of those masks, and she's breaking those things like they're going to hand her a reward. Spencer, Spencer comes up behind her. Yeah, Spencer kind of slowly approaches, watching this. And then eventually calls out. She's like, hello, Melissa. Melissa turns, like, shocked, like, wounded, but then, like, annoyed. And she's like, you put that mask in my bag. You followed me. Spencer is smart. Or Melissa is smart. And so uh, 
she like kind of moves like she's just gonna rush past Spencer off this dock that they're on. Then Spencer puts both her arms out on the dock rails like block her from going anywhere. She's like, you can't run to your room right now, not this time. We're not going anywhere until I get some answers. And if you if you really like need like the 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 cliff notes in this scene, it's basically Anakin Obi Wan fighting with lightsabers on the volcano planet at the end of Episode Three. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah, basically. Uh, and so Melissa says, "When is the last time an answer made you any happier?" Good point. <laughs> Great point. But I think they do though. In Spencer's case, she likes oh, yeah. getting information. Yeah. Uh, and Spencer says, "Were you on the Halloween train?" And uh, is that where you saw Mona in the alley mask? Twelve and, days ago. Yeah, and Melissa kind of frowns, and she's like, "It was Mona. Like, like this is you know she's learned. Like she's just got the final piece of the puzzle. Yeah, yeah. Because I think Spencer's thinking like, did you just come out here to to find out about this mask because you were on the train and you saw the mask? Uh, so then we go back inside. Arya's asking Hector about the the woman who was here, the one that left with that sack, and Hector says she wanted to know about those. I made her the same deal. He's talking about the masks. And Arya says she traded her face for information. And he nods and... Pleased. Pleased yeah. himself. What did you tell her? And Hector says, less than I told you. And then there's this cool like kind of face-off side shot where they're both staring at each other from each side of the frame. And he says, you know, you have a very interesting face. And Arya says, yeah, and I'm going to keep it. Arya knows how to get Arya's it. Arya's like, but... I'm sorry, Big A does not give her face away. Jake knew Ari was interesting. He just didn't know how interesting her face was. Mm-hmm. So, uh, do you want to do some little theater here? Because we got a lot of Spencer and Melissa dialogue coming up. Oh shit! You just sent me the entire exchange. Yeah. Do you want Spencer or Melissa? Oh wow! I don't know who. Which of us is better suited? I don't know. Why don't you be Spencer? I think I was Spencer last time. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, so outside, Spencer has you know Melissa on the defensive, and Spencer says. You asked Shauna where somebody could get a mask like that. You wanted to know if Allison came here and ordered it. And I wanted to know when it was made. Before or after Allie disappeared. Don't tell me you haven't thought about that yourself. That Allie's still alive? I have, but it's crazy. Crazier than anything else that's happened? Melissa, on the Halloween train, did you try to kill me? (laughs) I love how she just kind of casually asked that of her sister. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, that was Wilden. We had the same costume. Showing up in the same outfit? That must have been awkward. Why were you helping Wilden? I wasn't helping him. None of us helped him. We were afraid of him. Who's we? The NAT club? This isn't about some stupid club. But there is a connection. There is some overlap with the club and what happened to Allison. And Wilden was blackmailing you all because of it. Wilden wasn't that smart. Somebody was telling him what to do. So somebody told Wilden to be on the train, to kill me and Arya, and anybody else who could figure it out? I don't know. I didn't know about him hurting you until I was on the train. Because Garrett showed up, and suddenly it became more important to kill him. You could have warned us, Melissa. You knew, and you did nothing. And Melissa kind of gets angry, and she moves at Spencer, and forcing Spencer to kind of like, like take several sets back here. You don't understand. You never understood. I've been protecting you since it started. Since before it started. So you sent Jenna and Shauna to burn down the lodge. I didn't send them to hurt you. I sent them to watch you. Watch us? Why? To find out who you were going to meet. To find out if if it if it was... Allison? Jenna and Shauna didn't start the fire. It was Wilden. They saw him. So is that who pulled everybody out? Jenna and Shauna? No, it was somebody else. It was the person who got off the plane. The one in the red coat. They didn't see. 
What do they have to do with this? How do you know them? Why do you think Allie's still alive? And Melissa just kind of, she's, she's shut it down now. She's not answering. Melissa, did you kill Detective Wolven? Let it go, Spencer. You have to let it go or it will come apart in ways that you cannot even imagine. Oh my god, that whole scene. So, I love how Spencer, it's like she's already pieced it all together and she's just getting these confirmations and, and like twists from Melissa. You know, she, Spencer's like, this is why you were on the train. Oh, this is what you were doing. You know, this is why you were at the lodge. Well, it's, it's so funny that in, in episode four of season four, we're covering plot points from like the mid season episode of the previous season. I remember when this episode aired, it was like, whoa, we just got like this huge download of information. Yeah. But like 16 episodes later. Yeah. But it's also, it's also as if Melissa's forgotten their family motto. Can't stop. So, stop. Do, do we want to talk about this now or Lodge like finish thing? up the scenes or just the everything here? We got a lot of info. Yeah. So in the first episode of the season, we're pretty sure we were told that Wilton died while the girls were at the lodge. Which is why they couldn't use their whereabouts as an alibi. Because if they said, oh, we were at the lodge when Wilton was being killed, people would be like, oh, so you were the ones who burned down the lodge. Well, and so I, I feel like there's two options here. Either Melissa is lying mm-hmm. or she has bad information about the Wilton thing. When it's a serious question, though, of how far away is the lodge from mm-hmm. Torch Lake? Mm-hmm. And so we find out Melissa was on the Halloween train. I feel like that is, that is confirmation that Mona was telling the truth there. Mm-hmm. They were both in the, the, the Red Queen costumes. Um, Melissa was seemingly there, not of her own choice. It's kind of what it sounds like, because they're all afraid of Wilden. Much like when she showed up as the Black Swan. Mm-hmm. And... She didn't know that, like, Arya and, and Spencer and, and Garrett were all in, like, the crosshairs that night. Um, it's a lot of fucking shit happening on that train. Even though it sounded like the female voice on that train was the one pushing things along. Just right. saying. Right. So, we cut to Paige. On, on that, like, Wilden is apparently, like, just like a cat's paw of somebody else. Maybe that somebody else is also on the train. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Paige is swimming in the Rosewood pool. It's after hours. It's creepy. She hears a noise. For a moment, she freaks out. It's horror movie vibes. And well, and you get like Emily. the the shadow like moving across the wall, but it's then yeah, Emily, Emily walks out. Who walks out in this like stone cold Terminator walk for a moment, and she says, "Gave you my number. Thought you'd call." <laughs> yeah, I gave you my number. And Paige is like, "Hi," and Emily's like, "Oh man, if we could get uh, the guy who plays Moriarty and Holbrook in a scene together." And you just have like a weird voice off. Oh shit! You just blew my mind. And maybe Scott Wolf too. I'll give you my number. Don't you call? Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> um. Yeah. So just goes to show you that not everything is suspense and murder. Sometimes it's just crying and feeling. Sorry <laughs> Emily's like, I'm here to drown you, home. bitch. Yeah. yeah. Um. Paige gets out. She comes over to Emily. Emily gets her a towel. Paige can tell some shit is wrong with Emily. And she asks, what's wrong? We come Emily, back Emily to the frowns, dock there yeah. on Torch Lake. Arya comes running up as Spencer's picking up one of the fragments of Melissa's masks. Well, is it Melissa's mask or Allie's mask? I'm No, the Allison masks are still inside. That's what Arya found. Okay, Melissa went and found the yeah. mask around her face. Melissa's basically obliterating the, like, the, the shards evidence. of her identity yeah. that other people have access to. Yeah, and so... Um, Arya's like, where's Melissa? Yeah, where's Melissa? Where are my notes here? Uh, Spencer says it doesn't matter. She's gone. And then she like tosses that piece of the mask into the lake. And it kind of sinks into the muck. And it's so a, This is how great film noirs end. 
back at the pool, Emily is saying, like, it shouldn't happen like this. It's my fault. And Paige is like, yeah, you should have just let A hit Arya and Mona with that car. LOL. And Emily's like, I'm serious. And Paige is like, look, we, we can find another dream. And Emily's like, I'm not so sure. I don't know if it can be, I don't know if I can be one of those girls who sits up in the stands and watches you win. What if I can't take that? And Paige says, well, you're not going to have to because you're going to swim again. Paige, is it possible that Paige and Emily work because Emily is secretly just as horrible as Paige <laughs> with way better hair? Well, all these girls have their flaws. What um, is the uh, the Gorbidal quote? It's it's not that I, I need to succeed. It's that my friends need to fail. Yeah, and Emily says, he said that I need surgery. And Paige is like, he said you might need surgery. And Emily's like, I've got to get a better fucking doctor. <laughs> uh, yeah, she says, the outcome is unpredictable. And Paige is like, so? Unpredictable can be good. Look at us. And Emily smiles, and she says, with all the terrible things in my life right now, why do I feel so lucky? And Because both, you're deranged. Yeah, they both laugh and smile, and Paige You've says... You've gone the full aria on this one, Emily. Yeah, Paige will take Emily home, and it's going to be okay. Yeah, I mean, sure, people can make copies of one's face and pretend to be them and have hot lesbian makeout sessions on Halloween murder trains, but changing what's inside you, it isn't that easy, Paige. Emily's a swimmer. Well, see, I feel like you hate Paige on principle. I dislike Paige more just because she there's an uncomfortableness to her situation. Like, she wants it so much more than Emily does. Oh, yeah. That it's just like, I feel like uncomfortable watching their relationship. I'm just like, like, Paige, you like, you're such a doormat to Emily. Like, it's like, uh, maybe it's just because it reminds me of myself. I don't know. It's, it's not just that it's, well, that, that's interesting. We should unpack that mm. extensively. Oh, uh, it's not just that it's a car crash about to happen. It's two people and the absolute wrong cars, you know, like, like doing this. But like, Emily's a swimmer. Like, what? Oh, there's just like through... a, there's a power imbalance and it's like, it, oh, it, yeah. it's uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think, I think I'm trying to analyze it. I think that's why Emily keeps, double downing on this relationship is that she probably knows that Paige is fucking deranged but that it's so much nicer to buy into that than her actual reality I mean Emily's a swimmer so you know whether it be through the competitive waters of Rosewood High or through the river, river denial or through the oceans of bullshit this girl can create like like that's what she knows but Paige is like I'll take you home it'll be okay surrender your agency to me vulnerable one so cut to them walking home, Paige and Emily, and they see cop cars are out in front of Emily's house. Emily kind of runs up, very concerned. But Wayne and Pam are out front. Wayne's talking to a cop, and Emily kind of goes over to Pam, asks what's going on. Paige is kind of hanging back here, just watching. Mm-hmm. Um, Pam says, uh, someone called the police about domestic disturbance. And Emily's like, where? And Pam's like, here, at our house. And Emily's like, when we were shouting? And Pam says, they just want to talk to you and make sure you're okay. And Emily's like, of course I'm okay. What do they think happened? And Pam's like, I don't know. And they look over at Wayne, and Wayne's just like, we have a right to know what's being said about us. Mm. Do you? Yeah. And uh, Pam says, look, it's all just a big mistake, so come on. They just want to talk to you for a few minutes. So she leads Emily over to the cops, and Emily's like, officers, I think there's been a huge misunderstanding. Wouldn't these be the same cops who see Pam every day at work? Well, all this trouble is coming because Emily didn't want hydrocodone. Let's right. just remember that. The doctor's just like, I could write you a script for prescription painkillers. Well, and Emily's like, no, 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 that's actually cool. And the doctor's no, like, that's suspicious. I think actually it starts off because somebody reported 
Pam and Emily's outburst. Of the yeah, that, that's part of it. But then there's a whole... The doctor helped it along. I mean, Emily... Emily's, the, the doctor is the one who called family services, right? I don't think that's what they're initially saying. I got the impression that family services then somehow tracked him down. No, no, no. He said he called them. Did he say he called them or did yeah. he talk to them? No, he, he said he called them. Um, but Emily, Emily fumbled her way pretty shittily through that lie about the hydrocodone. But still, it's like this doctor's like, wait a minute, you don't want painkillers? That's a problem. <laughs> you could have handled that a lot better, couldn't you, Benji? Yeah. So cut to, uh, hell yeah. <laughs> so cut to Spencer's kitchen. Well, I, guess, I guess if you think I need them, yeah, sure. It, I mean, it doesn't hurt, right? So Arya's in Spencer's kitchen. She lights the flames of hell and puts tea on. Mistress of Sleepy Time Earl Grey Hot here. Yeah, she's got a big kettle going with like these huge-ass flames from the, the gas range. And she's watching the flames like transfix. Like her eyes are like these deep pools of black fire, you know. I think on next year's Halloween train, Arya's going to go as Melisandre, priestess Ooh. of the Red God of Flames. Oh, that'd be awesome. Hey, wouldn't it? Yeah. You know nothing, Jon Snow. The night is dark and full of terrors. Oh, uh, so Spencer comes in. And she's like, "Well, Melissa's car is gone. She's not in the barn." And Arya's like, "Do you believe what she told you? Part of it? Any of it?" And Spencer's like, "Enough of it for now." Because, I mean, it, 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 there is a possibility here that everything Melissa said was true. And that right. she is trying to t- protect Spencer this whole time. And Spencer's just being a huge bitch about it. Well, but also, this is what Spencer wants to believe. Mm-hmm. Spencer doesn't... I don't think... Spencer always needs to crack open everything to this very foundation and get to the core. Spencer needs mm-hmm. whatever will help her go to bed tonight. Yeah, know? yeah. Um, she so, has an immediate uh, question, and that's been answered. Yeah, Arya says, and you believe she didn't kill Wilden? And then there's a text chime on Spencer's phone. It's A, of course, and it says, Melissa's guilty of plenty, but she's not A-material. Kisses. And Spencer's, it's like so matter-of-fact. She's just like, ah, I'll call Emily, you call Hannah. Mm-hmm. And Arya pulls out her phone, starts to text, and then Hannah walks in the door, because Arya's magic. And like, they're the same person. And Arya's like, okay, I dial fast, but I'm not that good. Well, I mean, again, Spencer's calling Emily. Arya's calling Hannah. Mm-hmm. They broke down that division themselves. We didn't even have to talk about it. Yeah. Spencer says, hey, we know how Mona got the alley mask and who burned down the lodge. At least we think we do. And Hannah's kind of looking around, like avoiding eye contact, not speaking. And Arya says, Hannah, what's wrong? And Hannah says, I think my mom killed Wilden. And A knows it. You know, she's like, oh, shit. Yeah, they both kind of stare at her, and then the the oldest like cliche in the book, the tea kettle starts to whistle here. Yeah, in the, the background the tea like, like tension. Oh, shit. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, so a tag. I think this is the RV, right? Uh, I don't. It's, it's hard to tell. Yeah, but uh, A has there's like water dripping on the ground from like a, a fishing net. A has collected a bunch of broken plaster pieces of one of those masks. And is super gluing it all back together. It's got almost a whole mask completed. Much again. like how the girls have to piece together who Melissa is and what she knows and is up to. Mm-hmm. The last piece of the ch- is the mask that A puts together is her chin and the corner of her mouth, just like how Melissa talks out the side of her mouth. Mm-hmm. And that was FaceTime. As A examines the Melissa mask, so it's obvious. You know, what I, you know what I was thinking is that uh, Hector Lyme and his whole weird deal reminds me a lot of the like absurdity of like the doll hospital from season two. It has that oh, yeah. same vibe of just like weird. Yeah. Yeah. A touch of it. Um, so this episode was awesome. You talk about the first, yeah. Amazing. Um, 
written by Joseph Doherty, no shock. Directed by Norman Buckley, no shock. But it's it's so good. I feel like we. It's only like lately we've been talking about the directors more, like Melanie Mayrun, uh, I'm Marlene King, uh, Chad Lowe's fantastic outings every single time, and of course Norman Buckley. Um, the next episode is the wonderfully titled Gamma Zeta Die. Gamma Zeta Die, yeah. That one will be written by Mike Goldsmith, so uh, yeah, we'll be getting to that soon. Um, hmm. You know, we we joked a while, I don't know if we talked about this on the podcast or not, about a PLL video game. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's like that's way longer than a conversation than we could have right now. Um, I don't know. You want to do a bonus episode? I don't want to do a bonus episode. I, I like that our podcast episodes are exactly in line with the episodes of the show. Oh, I think, like you said, though, we could talk about it for a while. We could. I, I feel like one of these days when we have a shorter episode, we should talk about the the concept of a PLL video game because like, I think we so, can have a lot of fun with that. Folks, if there's ever an episode, especially in this like first half of season four, where we're just like, look, Toby did some stuff. His hair was crazy. His hands were out of control. We're going to skip over it for time. Well, you know, the Halloween episode this season, kind of bullshit. Maybe we'll talk about it then. I don't know. But uh, we have lots of ideas for how uh, like to make a really awesome PLL video game. Because, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, that needs to happen, right? It seriously, it, It'd be like the the Grand Theft Auto for girls, you know? Oh, um, uh, I, I don't like statements like that. I feel like oh, Grand, Theft oh. Auto, Grand Theft Auto could be the Grand Theft Auto for girls. I don't feel like... Granted, it probably is marketed and designed more for men, but... Uh, you know, it's like, it's like when they say, like, this is a superhero comic for girls. I hate that because, mm, mm. granted, you need more, you know, female creators and more female-centric heroes in comic books. But All right, all right, Senator. You're not running for office. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one thing we should bring up, and I'll put a link to this in our uh, show notes. It'll be timetrialmurdermystery.com slash PLL slash S04E04. Uh, there is this, like, personality test you can take from uh, the After Ellen website had a link to it which pretty little liars character are you it's not the usual like quiz it's like 10 questions it actually has you take a myers-briggs personality test Mm. and then it matches all 16 uh, personality types to different characters on the show it's it's fairly accurate i would probably switch a few of these um like cc and emily and aria feel like they could all be rotated maybe but this is a classic personality test it's fun to take anyway because i do think it's pretty accurate the one I got, I got Allison's uh, introvert, intuitive, thinking, judging. Like, I read that and I'm like, yeah, that's kind of me. So hmm. uh, I, I'd say these are fun to take just in general to read about the kind of official designations of these personality types. And then you can go back and compare it to what After Alan like classified all the PLL characters into. Interesting. Mm-hmm. What did you so, get, Mark? I got, I got CC. You got CC Drake. I feel like that's pretty accurate. Is it? You're a introverted. What does the S stand for? Uh, I don't remember. Really? I really don't remember. Hmm. Uh, somewhere oh. I had the picture saved on my computer, but I'm not going to waste air time. So you're ISTP, which is introverted, sensing, thinking, perceiving. Sounds about right. Mm-hmm. Um, one of our one of our fans, Natalie, uh, took the test and she got Ella. Hmm. Uh, Peanut got L as well, did she not? Did she? I didn't know Peanut too. By the way, you you share a personality type with Tom Cruise, James Dean, Clint Eastwood, and Frank Zappa. I've been saying that forever. On the other hand, I share one with Moriarty. 
Just saying. Gave you my number. I mm-hmm. thought you'd call. Schwarzenegger, Hillary Clinton, Donald Rumsfeld. Yeah. Uh, a couple of those aren't so great. <laughs> Michelle Obama, Greg Gumbel, Angela Lansbury. I think I win. Where, I'm just saying. Where is Officer Barry Maple on this? Caesar. I have Caesar. I, I mean, yeah. And Gandalf the Grey. So Also, Hannibal Lecter. We're really crossing the Rubicon of uh, references here. Mm-hmm. I would encourage everyone to take this personality quiz. It's fun. It's, it's and really it's, fun, yeah. it's not Scientology related at all. Yeah, thank God. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll put that in the link for the show. Is there anything else we need to talk about? No, just looking forward to the next episode. All right, we'll be back next time. Game is to die. Good night. <laughs>